Hey everyone, it's Rome Katie, and before we get into this episode, I just want to say a couple things. I know I haven't been uploading episodes that much over the last year or so, but this year I really want to start uploading again. Now I know I have school to figure out along with other things as well, but, I will th- but I'll try my very best to make it work because I love making these episodes for you guys. Also, another thing, I also write articles on my, on my website, houseofballers.com, so if you want to read a written piece of mine, there's already a ton of articles on there and more will come throughout the year. Now let's get into this episode, and it's a big one. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the House of Bars podcast. I'm your host, Rome Katie, and since the first NFL regular season game will be played just days from now, I decided to bring back the NFL season preview I did last year. I looked back at last year's script and probably botched everything except for who won the Super Bowl. I said that the Bucks will win and beat the Chiefs, and a 31-9 blowout happened at Raymond James Stadium, ironically. But today, I will give you my thoughts on each team in each division, the playoffs, the awards, and who will win Super Bowl 56. So let's get into things. The first division we have first is the AFC East. And in last place, I have the New York Jets going 3-14. and 14. Yes, I'm giving the Jets three wins this year. I think they'll be able to be, uh, I think they'll still be in rebuild mode. But this is just one of those teams where you're going to have to get that long rebuild process, even though it's already been a long time. And, and that re- long rebuild process is, is continuing for this team. Just give the Zach Wilson-Robert Solitanum some time to develop, and they'll be in the thick of it sooner than you think. At third place, I got the New England Patriots going 6-11. and Without Cam Newton to mentor him, Mac Jones' rookie year is going to be a little rocky, even though I do think the Pats system will be easier to get used to for Jones, as he did play in a similar system in college at Alabama. The real kicker in the schedule is in weeks 12 and 13. They face the Titans at home, and then the next week, they'll travel on the road to Buffalo to play the Bills. With that raucous crowd and the likely freezing temperatures in West New York, it's going to be hard for Jones to get in a rhythm early. And, it's, and, and in second place, I have the Miami Dolphins going 8-9. and The first season that Tua Tagovailoa was a starter, he had a record of 6-3 and and passed for 1,814 yards, 11 touchdowns, and 5 interceptions. I think that I, I think now that Tua has a year of NFL experience under his belt, I think he'll get a bit better and will be able to adapt and read defenses easier. Speaking of defenses, I believe the Dolphins defense will able will be able to keep the team in close games, especially with the interceptions leader from a year ago, Xavier Howard, returning after some trade controversy in the offseason. And in first place and winning the division, I have the Buffalo Bills going fourteen and three. Notice I had the Bills losing three games. The teams that I think they'll lose to are the Chiefs, Titans, and Buccaneers. All three of those teams are probably going to be top teams this year. That should be an issue for the Bills come playoff time because other than that, the, the division is theirs to lose. There's no secret in that. Now moving on to the AFC North and in fourth place, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers going 4-12-1. Now I know that sounds crazy, the team, the place to record the whole thing, but let me tell you why. Six of the teams they're facing have winning 10 or more games, plus add two games against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and two with Baker Mayfield and the Browns. All of that combined, and you get the toughest schedule in the NFL. 
So yeah, that's why they're winning only four games and tying with the Raiders in week two. Coming in third, I have the Cincinnati Bengals going 7-10. and 10. I feel like the Bengals are, are kind of like the Toronto Blue Jays of football. They have great young pieces that, that they drafted around Joe Burrow, such as Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And if Burrow can have the type of season that he had before his ACL um, injury a year ago, then there is a lot to be looking forward to in the Queen City. In second place, I have the Baltimore Ravens going 9-8. and eight. With their likely starting running back, J.K. Dobbins, out for the season with the ACL injury, Gus Edwards is probably the one who's going to be running back one this season, which is not the best option to start with. So the Ravens basically have a one-dimensional offense and a great defense, but unfortunately, it's not enough in my eyes to call them a well-rounded team. And in first place, winning the division, I have the Cleveland Browns going 14-3. and Like I mentioned with the Bills in the AFC East, this is their division to lose. It's just about how well they'll do in the playoffs. Heading down south, we got the AFC South. And in fourth place, I have the Houston Texans going 3-14. and Because of the controversy about Deshaun Watson's sexual assault cases and his trade rumors, I think that will become a distraction for this Texans squad sooner rather than later. In third place, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars going 5-12. and I feel like... Uh, Trevor Lawrence will fit into the Jaguars system like Mac Jones will fit into the Patriots system. It will take time to adjust to an NFL offense and reading an NFL defense, but he'll flourish with the right development and the right pieces around him. In second place, I have the Indianapolis Colts going 6-11. and 11. The Colts are kind of those weird teams where you think they're good, but they're also kind of bad at the same time. Their newly acquired quarterback, Carson Wentz, was just activated off of the COVID-19 list and will be able to start week one. Ever since his 2017 season, where he was playing like an MVP for like 13 games and then had a very, very unlucky and unfortunate knee injury, he hasn't. He just hasn't been the same. I hope he could do well this year and fully exercise those his Eagles demons and just play his game, but I doubt that's going to happen. So I think the defense led by DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard really has to step up the season if the Colts want to win at all. And winning the division, I have the Tennessee Titans going 15-2. Again, this is their division to lose. Just just look at their offense real quick. Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, who rushed for 2,000 yards, which is like the upper echelon of single-season rushing yards. Julio Jones, who they just traded for, and A.J. Brown leading that offense. I mean, that's one of the most high-powered offenses in the league, in my opinion. However, that means Kevin Byron in that defense has to step up if they want to keep them in this record range. Heading out west to the AFC West, I have... The Las Vegas Raiders in fourth place, going 3-13-1. I still think that Aaron Rodgers should have been traded to the black and silver because he could have led them to being a good product. I mean, it's Vegas, baby. you got to have some good product if you're in the entertainment business in Vegas. And so far, they'll continue to have a bad one in their second year of, uh, of existence in Vegas. In third place, I have the Denver Broncos going 9-8. and eight. The Broncos are the best team I have. I, I, uh, the Broncos are a team that I have my eye on this year. They announced that Teddy Bridgewater will start for the Broncos at quarterback, and he is no slouch whatsoever. In Drew, in Drew Brees' absence when Bridgewater was still with, with the Saints in 2019, he started five games, and the Saints won all five of them. He also threw for 1,384 yards and nine touchdowns. Along with that, they have probably the most exciting and young receiver uh, tight end slash tight end room in the league with Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, and Noah Fant. All three of them are rising stars in the league. So if Bridgewater can give them the ball of consistency, the future is bright in cold and snowy Denver. 
In second place, I have the Los Angeles Chargers also going 9-8. and eight. I'm expecting Justin Herbert to build off his Rookie of the Year campaign last season. However, there's also a chance that he could turn into a one-hit wonder. I think it'll be easier for him not to, bu- to be a bust this season because they have the 17th tough- toughest schedule out of 32 teams. That's like near the middle of the pack. And with Derwin James returning, the Chargers get a big upgrade on defense and the skill, po- and the skill positions are decent as well, led by wide receiver Keenan Allen. And in first place, who knew who knew this wasn't the case? I got the Kansas City Chiefs going 16-1. and Yeah, one game from nearly being undefeated. That's how good this team is. They're continuously one of the best teams in football. And again, like I said, it's no shock they're going to win this division. However, they do have good to great teams that they're facing, uh, that they're matching up against. So if they play their best football, they could be winning yet another Lombardi trophy. Switching things now to the NFC, and I'm going to start in the East. We're in fourth place. I got the Philadelphia Eagles going 6-11. The Eagles are one of those confusing teams that you really can't quite figure it out. Carson Wentz is in Indianapolis now, so they'll have to rely on uh, second-year Jalen, uh, second-year player Jalen Hurts to step up. But it won't be easy as some people think. Hurts had a record of 4-3 and three when he started for the Birds last year, while just passing for over 1,000 yards, 6 touchdowns, and 4 interceptions. However, I believe the Eagles have better weapons at the wideout spot this year compared to last, including 2020 Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager out of TCU. On the flip side, they have the 20th best defense in the league. They rank third in football on sacks and second in tackles for loss, so their defensive line is it. But their secondary is a little bit questionable. They had the third worst interception total with just eight. The Steelers, Saints, Patriots, and Dolphins had 10 more than that last season. So the Eagles have some good things to look forward to on the offensive side, but they'll need to work out the kinks on defense if they want to win another Super Bowl. In third place, I have the Washington football team going 7-10. and We all know that their division title last season was a fluke. Nevertheless, their defense is projected to be one of the best in football this year, led by defensive rookie of the year winner Chase Young and Montez Sweat. A year ago, they were ranked the fourth best defensive football behind the Steelers, Rams, and Ravens. All three of those defense had really special talents on their rosters, including eight pro bowlers and four first-team all-pros. So, so if the Washington football team can continue to hang around being a top defense in the league, they'll keep their offense in games. Ryan Fitzpatrick, a.k.a. Fitzmagic, of course, will be the start of the season. The football team will be his ninth team in 16 years as a pro. So hopefully he can regain that Fitzmagic pixie dust and do well on offense. But in my opinion, it's, 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 like, it's highly unlikely that, that that will happen. But the skill position players make up for that. They have a rising star and running back Antonio Gibson, and they have an underrated receiving core with Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and Adam Humphreys. Even though the football team might have to wait another year to get back into the playoffs, it sure seems like they're building a bright future in the DMV. In second place, I have the New York Giants going 10-7. and Now, I know it might seem shocking that I have the Giants with double digits in the win column with how they've been finishing the last few years, but hear me out. Their offense is stacked in my eyes. Saquon Barkley is returning. They just signed one of the biggest fishes in the water in free agency in Kenny Galladay to a four-year, $72 million contract. Darius Lane is a really good wide receiver as well. And Evan Ingram is a top tight end in the league, even though he's had struggles in the past. And their defense isn't that bad either. James Bradbury had a breakout season a year ago. Jabril Peppers and Logan Ryan are decent safeties. And on the D-line, Leonard Williams easily had his best season of his career last year with 11 and a half sacks and got that big bag in the offseason because of it. Three years, 60, three years, $63 million, if you want to know. However, those, these double-digit wins are contingent on two things. 
Daniel Jones doesn't play like the worst QB in the league, and Saquon doesn't get injured again. It, again, if those team, if those two things do not happen, they are definitely winning ten or more games. And in first place, I have the Dallas Cowboys going thirteen and four, with Dak Prescott coming back from a compound fracture in his leg. He's looking like his elite self. And with the three-headed monster of receivers in C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup coming back, that passing game is going to be deadly. The thing is, though, Ezekiel Elliott has to turn into feed Zeke mode this year if he wants to be considered a great running back again, especially after a disappointing season last go-around. Speaking of disappointing seasons, their defense was god-awful as well. They allowed the fifth-most passing touchdowns, second-most rushing yards, and seventh-most rushing, rushing touchdowns while having the fourth-worst fourth, fourth interception total and the tenth-worst sack total. So to combat this problem, Jerry Jones had to lock in and find the right pieces ASAP. He fired then-defensive coordinator Mike Nolan and hired former Falcons head coach Dan Quinn to fill in that spot. He also signed safety Keanu Neal and drafted eight defensive players in this year's draft, including linebacker Micah Parsons with the 12th overall pick. America's team has to bounce back. And now that they have some fresh faces in that locker room, I think they'll do just that. In the AFC North now, and in fourth place, I got the Detroit Lions going 3-14. and 14. I, know they're probably, I know I'm probably offending Lions fans out there, um, but, they're, but they're just a couple... They're, they're just, oh. I know I'm probably offending Lions fans out there, but they're just a super bland team. Outside of Jared Goff, tight end TJ Hawkinson, and newly drafted Panay Sewell, there really aren't a lot of great options on this roster. Already, I'm chalking it up as a lost season. In third place, I have the Chicago Bears going 7-10. and 10. I've talked highly about Justin Fields in previous episodes, and he's killed it in the preseason. But I do think that head coach Matt Nagy made the right move to put Andy Dalton in the QB1 spot in Week 1. You really don't want to rush a special talent like Fields is. He could just sit and watch and learn how Dalton does his business, be in the field room or film room, and develop out on the practice field. If he just does those three things, he'll adjust to the NFL game quicker than people think. And when it comes, and when he does come in and start, he has numerous guys in the skill positions that will make his job a hell of a lot easier. Running back David Montgomery's rising star and the wide receiver core of Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, and Marquise Goodwin are super underrated in my opinion. At a top defense led by Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, and Eddie Jackson. And the Bears have a really good roster on their hands. Now, Mack Nagy just has to not mess this up because if he does, he is up out of Chi-Town by next season. In second place, I have the Minnesota Vikings going 9-8. and eight. I think the Vikings have some of the best skill position groups in football. If Derrick Henry didn't exist, Dalvin Cook would have led the league in rushing attempts and rushing yards a year ago. Justin Jefferson gave Justin Herbert a run for his money in the Offensive Rookie of the Year race, and Adam Thielen is still a top receiver in the game. But the problem is that quarterback. Kirk Cousins has always been a streaky player. One season, he's a pro bowler, like in 2019. The next, he ties his career high for interceptions with 13, like last season. Vikings faithful should desperately be hoping for the Cousins to have a good season, because if he doesn't, the Vikings could have a worse year than a 9-8 record. However, head coach Mike Zimmer is, is supposedly a defensive-minded coach, so if he can call the right shots for his defense with guys like the newly signed Patrick Peterson, Harrison Smith, Xavier Woods, Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, and Daniil Hunter, along with letting the offensive coordinator do his magic, then they can get a little bit better of record than 9-8. And winning the division, I have the Green Bay Packers going 15-12. I feel like I'm a broken record with these top teams. I mean, this is the Packers' division to lose. 
but they were so close to not having a stranglehold on this division. So they should thank their lucky stars that Aaron Rodgers stayed in t- uh, Green Bay. Because when he, wide receiver Devontae Adams, running back Aaron Jones, and a decent defense are clicking, they can really do some special things. Heading over to the NFC South now, and I got the New Orleans Saints finishing in fourth with a 5-12 and record. After Drew Brees retired, I really don't think they'll make the playoffs this year. Brees was their golden ticket to make the playoffs every year because he won't just give you good to great performances under center. He can be a fantastic leader as well. Without that, they're rolling out Jameis Winston, who had a 30-touchdown, 30-interception years a couple years back, which is the first of its kind. Not a great option to fill in Breeze's shoes, but we'll see what he's got. He still has a top running back in the game, and Alvin Kamara is sitting right next to him. However, his wide receiver room is a little bit questionable. Trey Smith is all right, but definitely not a wide receiver one. Marquez Callaway went off in the preseason, but how? the question is how long will that last? And Michael Thomas. Oh my goodness, Michael Thomas. To go from one of the best receivers in the league to falling off the face of the earth a year ago? I mean, hopefully he'll bounce back this season, but I highly, highly doubt that's going to happen. Pretty much the only good thing about this uh, Saints team is their fifth-ranked fifth offense, led by Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, Malcolm Jenkins, Marshawn Lattimore, and Marcus Williams. Also, hope everyone down there is recovering from Hurricane Ida okay. Just make sure to be safe out there for me. In third place, I have the Carolina Panthers going 7-10. and 10. The Sam Darnold era in Carolina is about to begin, and to quote YouTuber Scooter Magruder, fans should be, quote, cautiously optimistic. Maybe Darnold needs to, needs to change the scenery to flourish into his third pick in 2018 type of potential. And he has the weapons to do so. He is one of the best running backs in the league returning from injury in Christian McCaffrey, He'll reunite with his former Jet teammate Robbie Anderson, and DJ Moore was a was a one thousand yard uh, had a one thousand yard season a year ago. The defense even got a couple upgrades in the offseason when they signed Hassan Reddick, who had the best who who had the best season of his career last year, and picked up twelve and a half sacks. And in the secondary, they drafted J.C. Horn out of South Carolina, who was who was the top cornerback in the draft this year. However, it does all fall on Darnold to make them have make them like make them either have a disappointing season or a surprisingly decent season. In second, I had the Atlanta Falcons going eight and nine. Even though Julio Jones went to greener pastures in Nashville, the Falcons' passing attack won't lose a step, in my opinion. Matt Ryan is still a good quarterback in this league at age thirty-six. Calvin really can step into the wide receiver one role with ease. Russell Gage is a decent wide receiver too. And Kyle Pitts is a top tight end weapon and can be productive in his role from day one. The O-line and defense need work, but if they can keep the Falcons in close games, they can squeak by and win a couple of those games. And in first place, to no one's surprise at all, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going 16-1. and I mean, they're the reigning Super Bowl champs. Like, what else do I have to say other than the fact that they have everyone back on that roster and looking to run it back? And then last division is the NFC West. Now, this division is probably my favorite one in the NFL right now, and not just because of the Cardinals, because I'm a fan of them, but because how competitive it'll be. In fourth place, I have the San Francisco 49ers going 7-10. and There there was a bit of a quarterback battle in the offseason, but Jimmy Garoppolo will still hold down that QB1 spot, even after they drafted Trey Lance with the third pick in this past draft. But the main story with the 2029ers was that they got bitten by the injury bug and never really got going. But if they can keep their main pieces healthy on offense and defense healthy, they, they, they can really be a scary team to sneak up on division, divisional rivals and take over their spots. 
Raheem Mostert will look to follow up his breakout 2019-2020 to season with another great one this year. The wide receiver tree of Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and, and Mohamed Sanu are super underrated, and George Kittle is George Kittle. On the defense, Nick Bose is one of those guys that, that, really need, that, that they really need to keep healthy because he's a superstar when he's out on the field. And they locked up Fred Warner for a big deal to anchor the linebackers. And the sec- but the secondary isn't the best, so I'm expecting them to make a move with the trade deadline for a, a cornerback or a safety in order for them to, to give the other great teams in this division run for their money. In, the thir- in third place, I have the Arizona Cardinals going 11-6. and six. I'm not putting any bias towards the Cardinals. I think they'll be a lot better than they were last season. The offense was, uh, is unbelievably great with dual threat beast Kyler Murray and a top two wide receiver in football in DeAndre Hopkins. And they, and they signed AJ Green to be their replacement for Larry Fitzgerald to fit that like old, old guy veteran void. On defense, they signed J.J. Watt to a two-year contract. I mean, just nothing special. Just a five-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-Pro, and three-time Defensive Player of the Year. Just, just, just business casual for Watt. And he's coming into a D-line that is already stacked with Chandler Jones on the other side of the line who had 19 sacks in 2019. Their linebacking core is underrated with Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons, and Marcus Golden. And leading the secondary is three-time Pro Bowler and two-time All-Pro, Buda Baker. So it won't just be the desert heat that'll be intimidating for opposing teams. The Cardinals will be looking as good as they did just over a decade ago when they were going to playoffs constantly and almost won a Super Bowl in 2008. In second, I have the Seattle Seahawks going 12-5. and the only guys that will be great for the Seahawks this year are Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett. That attack in the air will be hard to beat for a while this season, and the only thing that will carry them to this record. Their running game is average, with Chris Carson starting and having over 600 yards a year ago. Their O-line seems to be average as well, being 19th ranked by PFF.com. And their, and their defense isn't, isn't like what it used to be with the Legion of Boom. It's led by Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams, and that's just about it. So their passing attack is what's going to carry them to a playoff spot. And if that doesn't happen, we might, we might not be seeing the 12th man of the playoffs for the first time since, to, since 2017. And winning the division, I have the Los Angeles Rams going 13-4. and This is the season the Rams needed to have. I feel like Matthew Stafford is in a fantastic situation because he can finally be able to win and maybe lead this team to a spot they haven't been in three years, the Super Bowl. I know that might sound crazy to think, of, to think about at first, but when you combine Matthew Stafford's talent with the teams that just desperately trying to get over the hump of being a really good team, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility. The run game got bolstered when they traded for Sonny Michel to take the place of Cam Akers for this year, who has a season-ending Achilles injury. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are always slept on, and once again, they'll prove that they are good receivers in this league. Tyler Higby is looking like a top five tight end in the game right now, and we haven't even talked about their defense yet. Aaron Donald is the best D lineman in the game right now, and Jalen Ramsey is the best cornerback in the game right now. The best, the rest of those guys on that defense will fit right in and play their roles well alongside Donald and Ramsey doing their thing. So yeah, the Rams could have their best chance to make the Super Bowl in their home stadium. Yeah, that's right. I'm calling it again. The, the, the Rams could just be back in their home stadium like the Bucks did last year. Because Super Bowl Fifty Six will be at SoFi Stadium in Englewood, California, so could the so yeah, I mean it, it could happen, but I mean we'll see what happens at the end of the day. This this season could go a bunch of different ways for a lot of these teams. Okay, 
So now that the division predictions are wrapped up, let's get into the playoff picture. But before I do so, let me break down this year's playoff format. According to certain reports, it looks like the NFL will be using the expanded format like they did last season, with seven teams per conference instead of six. So the first seed will get the will, in each conference will get the first round by, and seeds two through seven will play the wild card round. Two plays seven, three plays six, and four plays five. So let's get going with it. In the AFC, I have the Kansas City Chiefs taking home the one seed, and they will get that first round by. And the three divisional matchups go a little something like this. The second-seeded Tennessee Titans will go up against the, the, the seven-seed wildcard Denver Broncos. Yes, I, you heard it first. Denver Broncos is a wild, our wildcard team. And the third-seeded Buffalo Bills will go up against the Baltimore Ravens, a, ra- a rematch of, I believe, last year's divisional round matchup. And the fourth-seed Cleveland Browns will go up against the fifth-seed Los Angeles Chargers. In terms of the results, I'm basically predicting a chalk first round. Titans beat Broncos, Bills beat Ravens, Browns beat Chargers. In the divisional round, the Browns will face the Chiefs since they're the lowest seed that will move on. And the other matchup is Bills-Titans. I got the Chiefs beating the Browns and the Titans beating the Bills in a close one. That means there will be a Titans versus Chiefs AFC Championship game. But the Chiefs are just so overmatched against the Titans that they'll move on to their third straight Super Bowl appearance. But who will they be facing? Let's go over to the NFC side. So, I got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking home the one seed, so they'll get the first round bye. The second seed of Green Bay Packers will go up against the seventh seed of New York Giants. Yes, they are another wild card team that's probably shocking to a lot of people, but like I said, if they keep stringing together the pieces, they'll definitely be in the spot. In the third seed, I have the Los Angeles Rams going up against sixth seed Arizona Cardinals, which will be a f- great matchup to watch of DeAndre Hopkins and Jalen Ramsey for like the third time this season. And the four-seeded Dallas Cowboys will take on the fifth-seeded Seattle Seahawks. Packers beat the Giants. Rams beat the Cardinals. Cowboys beat the Seahawks. That means in the divisional round, the Buccaneers will face the Cowboys in a rematch of Week week 1's kickoff matchup will will be taking place in like four days from now, which is crazy to even think. And the Packers will face the Rams in a rematch of last year's divisional round. The Bucks beat the Cowboys and the Packers beat the Rams, sending up a rematch once again of last year's NFC Championship with the Buccaneers and the Packers. And the Bucks will once again go to the Super Bowl and, and will be facing the Chiefs. But before we get into my Super Bowl winners, I got to tell you who's going to win each award. Starting off with Coach of the Year, I got Brandon Staley of the Los Angeles Chargers winning that award. At first, I questioned the hire. I mean, if you remember in previous episodes, I mentioned that they'll need to focus on an offensive-minded coach to help develop excuse me, Justin Herbert into an elite quarterback. But instead, they went to the defensive side, and I think that'll actually work. Like I said, Derwin James is bouncing back. He's an elite safety, and Joey Bosa on the line is elite as well. If those two guys can play how they're supposed to play, they can lead this defense to great heights. And on the offensive side of things, Justin Herberts can lead this offense to decent heights as well. Next up, comeback player of the year. To me, I think this is an easy choice. I got Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott winning it. I mean, the man came back from a compound fracture, the same injury that last year's winner Alex Smith came back from, and a shoulder strain that he suffered in training camp. Once he, once he gets under center in Raymond James Stadium on Thursday, I'm expecting him to have a top 10 quarterback in the league type of season, maybe even top five if he's good enough and doesn't get hurt again. Now, let's get into the defensive rookie of the year, and it seems like it's a two-man race between Cowboys linebacker Micah Parsons and Broncos cornerback Patrick Sertan II. 
they are both they were both stars in the preseason. But preseason is preseason. It's not supposed to count. It matters when week one rolls down for the Bucks in Parsons' case and the Giants in Sertan's case. They both seem like really good talents, but I'm going to have to go with Parsons. The only reason why I went with Parsons is because Sertan is going to have to deal with a super talented uh, receiving core in his own division. Think about it. The Chiefs got the Legion of Zoom with Tyreek Hill and Mecole Hardman. The Raiders got Henry Ruggs, who's just a speedster. Nelson Aguilar, who had a bounce back year. And Hunter Renfro, who's no slouch at all. And the Chargers got Keenan Allen, so he's just going to be cooking them like crazy. Sertan is probably going to be thrown into the fire in almost a third of his games. Yeah, that's not going to cut it for me. Now let's get into the offensive rookie of the year. Now there is a lot of good talents coming out of this rookie of year class on offense. You got Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Najee Harris, Kyle Pitts, Trey Lance. The list just goes on and on and on. But I'm going to have to give it to Justin Fields. And just like I said about the Bears and the divisional predict- predictions... Fields will be able to develop and learn from Andy Dalton for a few weeks and be in the film room digesting this offensive playbook front to back. And whenever the time comes that Matt Nagy is ready to give Fields the keys to the offense, it's going to be a while before Fields lets go of those keys, if he does at all. Back to the defense for the defensive play of the year, and this one's easy. Three words. Aaron flipping Donald. The dude is sculpted from Krypton but has no kryptonite. The man had 20 and a half sacks in 2018. Only 11 other men have eclipsed that mark in a single season, with Michael Strahan at the top of the list with 22.5. There's no reason why he can't do it again, especially this season. Now, I know it's going to be against some stiff competition this year, but he gets off the line of scrimmage so quick that if you're the opposing quarterback, you'll blink, and the next thing you know, you're sitting right on the ground. Once again, back to the offense or the offensive player of the year, and just like with the offensive rookie of the year, there's a ton of great talent to choose from. Since the MVP will most likely be a QB because 13 out of the 14 MVPs of the last 14 MVPs were QBs, I'm going to scratch them off, leaving it up to the skill positions. And I'm going to go with the dark horse here. I'm going to give it to Alvin Kamara of the New Orleans Saints. Now, I know this might not happen in reality, but it's a real possibility. Since I have numerous questions about the quarterback situation in NOLA, they will, all, they will most likely run their offense through Kamara. If Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook didn't exist, he's probably the best dual threat running back the league has to offer. Oh, and just in case you need a reminder, the guy scored a record six rushing touchdowns in one game on Christmas Day of 2020. The man could do it all. But the question is, will his great talent lead the Drew Brees-less Saints to a playoff spot? Who knows? And finally, the one award you guys have been waiting for, the MVP but this is an easy one. I mean, come on now. How can anyone beat Patrick Mahomes in this category? He's the lead at doing everything a quarterback needs to do, like escaping the pocket and reading defenses. He's almost like a magician out on the field. Take Super Bowl 55, for example. The guy was literally horizontal when throwing a football, even a blowout loss. Like, that's insane. This shows that this guy goes on is on go mode from kickoff until triple zeros at the clock. Oh, and he's got the best weapons in the league to throw to. Like, how can that get any better? But now, let's get into who will win Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium. Will it be the Kansas City Chiefs or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And your Super Bowl 56 winner is the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes will redeem himself for last year's 31-9 disappointing loss and get a second Super Super Bowl trophy in five years in the league and two in the last three, I believe. The whole Chiefs team will step up as well, as they'll show that the last go-around wasn't a fluke. 
And on the other side, Tom Brady is extremely discouraged, but he knows deep down that he is set. Seven rings he's won. Seven. And that will just about wrap things up. If you like what you heard today, please hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening to this episode. Also, a rate and review will be very helpful as well. I have an Instagram account, a uh, podcast Instagram account, excuse me. It's at House of Bars. That's H-O-U-Z-Z-O-F-B-A-L-L-E-R-Z-Z. Where I post everything on my story the minute after I see it, giving you my immediate reaction to things happening in the sports world. I also just released a personal account at RomeJacob1, where I post a little more about myself outside of sports, like what I like to do, what I like to eat, where I like to go. So if you're interested in following those accounts, I will put them in the episode description so you know exactly where to find them. I've been Rome Candy, and I am out of here. Peace!